Thank you for joining us. Today we talk about Halloween, both the history of it and whether it's okay to celebrate. We also chat with Pastor Debbie Rooney, who's going to tell us about Big Top Bash, Grab and Dash this year. And finally, we have part three of our series on missions. Today we discuss why missions are so important to the church and community. Let's get started. I am joined now by Pastor Bud Fancy and Pastor Jason Blakey, and today we're going to talk about Halloween. Let's just start off with a little bit about the history of Halloween. Yeah, I was just doing a little research on it because I've not done extensive research on Halloween, but most people trace it back to Celtic festivals way back many, 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 many years ago. There's a lot of stuff associated with that that's disconcerting to Christians, such as people making sacrifices of the crops and their animals on bonfires. Their Celtic priests called Druids would build on the hillside. There was a lot of stuff that went with that, that the dead would come back to life, would set up tables of food to actually feed them, expecting that somehow they would come and be a part of that. And then the Catholic Church tried to put a different read on that by starting it with All Saints Day, bringing it into that event, and I guess in some ways Christianize it. Then then the Protestant Church did their things too, but essentially Halloween is simply a fun time for a lot of people, but a very concerning time for many others. As far as some of the events that take place, it certainly has a lot of occult activity in certain places among certain people. That I know from experience, but there is no set definition, as far as I can see, as to what Halloween is. Certainly goes low on my scale as far as preferred holidays, but we certainly take advantage of the opportunity to provide some ministry to our community through And while it's kind of low on your list, Jason, you kind of come from the other side. You were telling me you grew up loving Halloween. That's right. For my family, Halloween was the biggest, I guess, holiday of the year when it came to like decorations and community event. Like the house that I lived in, in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, we had people that came, you know, 45 minutes or more to come into town just to see our house because our house was like, the community area where the entire community participated in some sort of haunted house, whatever. So it ended up being this giant community event that we all look forward to every year. We spend weeks decorating and planning and getting it out. And just like you'd have, I guess, the Christmas light shows nowadays that you can drive around and go see, our house was like a Halloween light show that you could actually drive around and go see. It was funny because my parents did become Christians later on. I was eight years old. And by then we had Halloween traditions pretty set in stone. And they began to battle, like, what can we actually do for Halloween? Are we allowed to even celebrate Halloween? And as they wrestled with it, and after talking with lots of people, they did try some funny Christian themes. I think we did um, Heaven and Hell one year, where if you went to heaven, you get your candy. If you went to hell, you got really scared. (laughs) There was funny things like that that we tried. But um, ultimately, realizing that, like many things, as Pastor Bud had said, Halloween in North American culture has changed the focus on the occult. Sure, it might be a day that the occults take and try to celebrate more, but that doesn't negate the fact that we can still have a community time. As you said, when I lived in Croatia, the All Saints Day was one of the biggest celebrations, and they dressed up just like we do here. They went around. Often they got money instead of candy. You see the Day of the Dead, which is on a different day, but it's down in Latin America, often in the Catholic churches down there. 
the idea of Halloween and dressing up for something isn't new, but it's definitely a little more polarizing here in North America and in Western countries in general, because especially if you go back in history to the witch trials, and that's kind of lingered in our culture. And so anything to do with that has a remnants of witchcraft could be often thrown down upon. And so I agree. I don't agree with witchcraft or any of that stuff, but a day doesn't have power, really, unless you want to give it some sort of power. <laughs> in the Christian church, it's not abnormal for us to take days that were once celebrated in pagan rituals, as Pastor Bud said. For instance, Christmas was one of the most occult celebrated days in the winter solstice, and horrible things happened in pagan rituals. And yet the church has now turned it around to one of the most celebrated days of Christianity. And so, like I said, a day doesn't have power, but you can give it it, whether you want to give it negative power or good power. It's kind of how you use the time you have in that day. And as it says in Romans, if you follow sin, that's the, that's the power you're going to give to. Like you're going to be a slave to sin. But if you then commit yourself to God, well, then now you're a slave to God, which is way better. And that's kind of the same idea with the days. I was thinking as Jason was talking, you know, when I was a kid, Halloween wasn't an issue in the church. I dressed up. Don't mistake. I had tremendous fun on Halloween. We always had some hoodlums that would trash some stuff in our neighborhood and had some gang activity in the small city I lived close to. But overall, it was just a fun neighborhood time. and We had a ball doing it. It changed a lot for a lot of people. When we moved into the 80s and 90s and all of a sudden we had some really troubled people with razor blades and apples and different things like that that really terrified some people. I had a little of that when I was a kid too. So I think that, you know, it's what Jason said, you can make it what it is. And we really actually take advantage of the day to love in our neighborhood here at the church with Big Top Bash, making it a wholesome place where kids can dress up. We ask people not to do the witch clothes and stuff like that. And that's not been much of a problem. Come, we provide free food, which always stuns people. They keep wanting to pay and we won't let them. And all kinds of activities and I think like 2,000 pounds of candy we had one year. We added it up. It was crazy. And maybe 1,000 people through the building. I don't look at uh, that day as a bad day for us. It's a great day to love other people. It's certainly how you handle it. We actually present the gospel to people in a way it seems that they really take it in and take it to heart. So we use it in a positive way. And my goodness, if I see a little child coming down the road with a costume, I want to make sure I have candy and I'm going to bless them. That's just a philosophy. I see after myself, but there are some strong opinions out there. So it seems like this holiday, it does have a lot of focus on death. What do you think that fascination is? You know, where does that come from? Well, we all have an appointment with it. So I suppose that figures in. Sometimes you like to laugh at the stuff that deep down inside worries you. So you kind of make fun of it. It's funny, Kelly. I was just listening to a conversation of my kids the other day, and they were talking about death. And it's funny, at a young age, even, they try to comprehend what does death really mean. Nowadays, in pop culture, you're seeing more stories about zombies or werewolves and vampires and stuff like that. So, I mean, these are coming out of the blue. As culture, I guess, changes and looks into these different ideas of afterlife and what that could be like, it's normal, I think. And all through culture, you've seen people question, what's death like? What's afterlife like? Is there even an afterlife? And the way that the churches have celebrated it in the past really represents the cultures they've come from. If you're looking at North America, we don't often understand the idea of the Day of the Dead or All Saints Day because we're very individualistic culture. A lot of North American culture is centered around me. How does that affect me? 
but a lot of the other cultures learn from their past and they value the history that's come from the past. And so on an idea like the Day of the Dead, and for instance, the Latinx cultures, it's not so much a fascination on death, but a remembrance of all that has come before you that has created who you are today. And if you look at the Catholic Church and All Saints Day, really they're celebrating people that have made huge differences in the Catholic Church and in Christianity in general. A lot of our history comes from a lot of these saints, many of who were martyred for various things. And for instance, in All Saints Day in Croatia, they remember a guy that was burnt to death, which is a weird thing for kids to do, but they all marched in parades down to Village Square dressed up in costumes. And they remember this saint that was burnt to death and they get taught about him and all that stuff. It's not necessarily things that I want my kids to do here in North America, but it's the culture there that they remember these things because this is something that really impacted that community, that culture. And so death isn't just an idea of what afterlife is like. It's also remembering all those who have passed away. And I think because in our human nature, we do have people in our lives that have passed away. The idea of being able to communicate with them, the idea of being able to talk with someone who has passed away is intriguing, right? For a lot of us, there's probably someone we wish we could still talk to even after they've passed away. Now, the Bible talks pretty clearly about what eternal life and afterlife is like. But that doesn't stop us from being curious about it. You know, we can know for sure, sure, okay, there's going to be eternity. You're going to be in heaven or hell. But can you still talk with those people? Is there still a way to communicate? You can still get curious outside of biblical context. People do. The reality is we see in the Bible a time where I think Saul talked to Samuel. And he actually went and raised him up from the dead, you know, and they were able to have a talk. And Samuel actually scolded him for doing that. You're not supposed to. So we do know there are practices that you're not supposed to do. So the idea of going to the seances or tarot card reading and stuff like that. One of the reasons we don't is even though death is very intriguing, you got to be careful of what you're opening yourself up to when you're trying to go into those seances. And so the idea of witchcraft and stuff like that, although they might be intriguing principles for people to kind of play around with spells or Ouija boards or whatnot, it's very dangerous. Because on the other side of looking so much into the death and the stuff like that, there's an element that there actually are demons and you have Satan and another spiritual realm that's still actively involved with us that can mask itself as trying to be remembering who your family is or connecting with you. And they're trying to like manipulate you into going deeper into a spiritual realm realm. And so, yes, death is intriguing. And to celebrate and remember is one thing, but to try to do seances and casting, then you're going into a whole different avenue, which now deals with spiritual warfare. And what people don't realize is at this point, they're opening themselves up to possible oppression or possession or definitely oppression from demons and Satan. But again, we live in Christ. And so there's a way to combat those things as well. For people who are kind of coming down on the side of not supporting Halloween, I mean, in a way, Halloween to them probably seems like it's maybe normalizing some of those things and making them seem more okay because you're seeing it all the movies and you're seeing it in all the retail stores when you're looking at costumes and you're hearing about people preparing to have their Halloween party where it's all themed along witchcraft or whatever. So, I mean, maybe it kind of normalizes a little bit. I think there's a concern with that. Certainly I care. I know Jason does too. You know, I was thinking about, you mentioned Samuel coming up and speaking to Saul. That was a very negative event, really for Saul because it came at a 
time where he had lost his connection with God and with the Spirit of God. And so he sought out this to a lady who practiced, I don't know if she was witchcraft, was the actually, but she called out the Spirit. And Saul said, you know, why are Sammy, why are you disturbing me? It was contrary to what God wanted. But I look at people today who take the stance that everything to do with Halloween is evil. That's not fair because there's lots of people that are doing it simply to have a good time with the children. I think we should keep that in mind and not try to condemn and call unclean what God has not called unclean. And certainly giving a child a treat at your door because they're dressed up looking cute. If we're home, we're now usually a big top bash. But if we're home, we absolutely make sure that we're receiving the kids and have an opportunity to love on them. I think that's an important aspect to keep in mind when you start asking the question about if a Christian has a conviction against it, that is certainly okay. There could be many reasons why. If others want to participate but maintain the proper value, then I think that's okay too. And then as Jason said, when you start getting into calling up the dead and that, we start getting into really dangerous territories because of the things it opens up in our spiritual lives. And I know you mentioned that churches kind of try to use that night to spread the gospel. And I know neither of you were there, but Jason had said something that sparked my memory for it. Framework when it was Prescott Wesleyan Church and Pastor Rick probably could have spoken to this. I know they did like a judgment night where they would have a couple of scenes that people could walk through and you'd see this couple was in a car accident and one went to heaven and one went to hell. And at the end, of course, they're presenting the gospel through that because at the end you see the one who went to heaven versus the one that went to hell. So it is interesting how churches have used Halloween night to further the gospel. That's right. As Bud said, you know, calling something unclean when God has not called it unclean is dangerous, right? But I also know the fear. Like I've got friends who came out of the occult and they realize how easy it is to get trapped into it. It's easy to wander down those directions. And so I think some of the pushback against something like Halloween is that fear that they're going to easily wander down into it. It's the same reason why there's a whole group of people that won't want you to read Harry Potter or stuff like that. But really, when you're grounded in Christ, those are things that you can combat because you have Christ as your Savior. In fact, if Halloween is a night where the occult is actually more active and there's really more spells or witchcraft or seances and all that stuff happening, shouldn't the church be more active as well? And so, yeah, I understand that there are people on both sides of it and we probably won't agree 100% on how to be more active, whether, you know, you should be giving candy or being in the community more or doing something like Big Top Bash. There's always going to be pushback one way or the other. I would say if you struggle with witchcraft in any shape or form, well, it's like, an alcoholic with alcohol, don't do it, right? But at the same time, we do need people to still go to the bars and minister to alcoholics. And we still need people in our community ministering to people on Halloween. For those who are sitting home and saying, okay, well, I like the idea of being involved, but how do I know when I've gone too far? How do I celebrate without crossing the line? So Halloween in itself as a celebration in North America and the way that we celebrate North America, there's very little you would cross any line with. I mean, we're talking about dressing up, going trick-or-treating, maybe having a Halloween party with friends or family at your house, stuff like that. None of that is crossing the line. That's just really having fun with the community. And if you get a chance to share Jesus in it, great. If not, you're still building relationships with people around you. And that is also great. Rather than segregating yourself in the community, you have a chance to build the relationships with them. 
if you're get into a point, like for instance, if you have a Ouija board, throw it out. In fact, throw it out and come talk to one of us because you've already opened yourself to a lot of spiritual stuff that you really should have opened yourself up to. And we need a further conversation. And the same is if you're looking into the occult already, if you've been working with spells, if you've invited a spirit into your life, like those are things to watch out for. But you have to be very intentional with those things. You're actually doing it on purpose. You don't accidentally sit at a Ouija board and start asking the questions and watching the dial move, right? That's not an accident. You've actually done it. But there are things like that you do intentional. Halloween in itself as a holiday has no hidden agenda other than a community event for what North Americans celebrate it as. So that would be my caution to you. Now, if I love the scary movies or I do want to dress up like a witch, are those things acceptable? Or if my kids are watching these movies or my kids go to a party where there was a Ouija board, how do I handle all of that around the holiday? I would be exceedingly not careful. I'd be I'd be pretty proactive that my children would not be at places where there are Ouija boards or even playing with tending up entering into those things just kind of opens you up to things that can lead down a bad path. But long history with the Ouija board, none of it good, a lot of it very disturbing. And I agree with Jason, you got a Ouija board, throw it. And if there's a Ouija board where your child wants to go, no, that would be firmly my opinion because it's not a game. Sometimes you get into far more than that that leads down some pretty bad paths in the spirit world because we as Christians believe that there's good and evil that are at war. And certainly the Ouija board does not point you to Jesus. He points you away from him. And historically, there have been things that have occurred that are exceedingly disturbing to that stuff. Yeah. Before my family was Christians, we had a Ouija board in our house. And, you know, I remember sitting down and asking it questions and things like that. If you've got questions about spiritual warfare, we've actually done a podcast on that already. And I would encourage you to go take a look at that because it's real. But because I opened myself up to that stuff, I went through a whole thing called Steps to Freedom in Christ, which helps you combat when you've possibly let demons inside your life or when you've exposed yourself more because you're opening up doors spiritually that you didn't mean to open up. But even if you didn't mean to open them up and you did, you still did, right? You can't open up a door and let mosquitoes in, hoping that if you go close them, they're going to go back out. It's the same way with the spiritual realm. Once you've opened the door, you've opened the door. And so I would have those conversations with your kids. If they say, hey, I was just at a place that there was a Ouija board and I participated with that. Well, the first thing you want to do is not yell at them because they're kids and they're kind of curious, right? But rather explain to them what that really could do for their life. If you need help with that, come talk to us. We'd love to explain more about what it really means to open yourself up to spiritual stuff. If you're just dressing up as a witch, for instance, if that's the costume you choose for Halloween, that's not a big deal. Whether it's a zombie, witch, werewolf, vampire, I mean, we see them everywhere. You know, if I dress up as a millionaire, it doesn't make me a millionaire, right? I wish it would. Otherwise, I'd dress up as a millionaire. We um, all would. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but if you dress up as a witch, it doesn't make you a witch. The danger of witchcraft comes with the power behind the spells, which isn't God. It's of demonic power and, and things like that. The same as a werewolf and stuff like that. Nowadays, the kids shows aren't like it was when we were kids. The witches, the werewolves, the vampires, they're all good people. They're not bad. Like they're not running around massacring people. They're not running around cursing people. In fact, TV's done the opposite. So your kid probably doesn't know that witches could be bad or werewolves could be bad. If you look at the little kid show called Super Monsters, that's what it is. Literally, you have Frankenstein and all these other little monsters that are just playing 
together. That's how kids now, they're not even thinking that it could be a bad thing, right? These are all fictional characters we've created up in some way, shape, or form. The difference is when you're practicing spells or things like that, those are much different. That's where you want to be careful. I have conversations with my kids about what witchcraft truly is versus the shows that they're watching. If they happen to see a witch on TV, we have those conversations. So it's really about the conversations you have in your house. And that's much more important than what they dress up as. I think one of the things that Jason's really alluding to, too, is as God's created creatures, there's a spirit world out there that we are absolutely connected to. God created us to open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit, and he wants to build in us so many fruits, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, self-control, those type of things. If a person who's listening wants that type of experience in their life, then they simply can turn to Jesus and his spirit is at work in us to create those kind of feelings. In the same sense, if you open yourself up to the old call, and that happens a lot to the Ouija board in that, there is an enemy to your spiritual journey. There's an enemy to your life. And he, on an open passageway, he will enter in and then you have serious spiritual issues, eternal issues that you need to deal with. And in fact, if someone has concerns about that, we would love for them to contact us and say, can you help me figure this out? I would think that in addition to like churches taking advantage of this holiday to really kind of push the gospel, it's really a great opportunity for parents to have those conversations. It almost kind of opens the door really well for parents to be having conversations with their kids or with their other family members or with their friends about Jesus and salvation versus Mm -hmm. some of the movies that they're watching and things that are out there during this particular season. Nowadays with Netflix and stuff like that, even YouTube, I'm just thinking through all the different avenues, your kids are going to see stuff about Halloween. If you're not talking to them about it, they're not going to really know how to process what information they're having. There are things I don't let my kids watch right and there are shows i don't want them to watch however they're not always at my house and so if you're not having the conversations with them if you're not explaining to them what these are about how will they know what's right what's wrong what's good what's bad yes witchcraft is bad we can leave it there right but how are your kids going to know that especially watching just the tv shows they are today unless you have the talk with them halloween very honestly was a really fun time when i was a kid it was very innocent we had a great time went out of course lots of candy that was a big highlight for me it has been a highlight for me as i've been here in Prescott because we've been able to love a lot of people who never normally darken the doors of our church just to give them a safe place to bring their kids and whether safety is just the traffic on halloween kids excited and running around or whether it's darker things that people worry about it's been a real joy i don't think it's the church's job to run around trying to shut down halloween i think there were bigger battles we ought to fight but we ought to take advantage of any way that we can touch the world in a positive way. And I think the church here has done a good job of that over the last, I don't know, 15 years that they've run Big Top. We've touched a little bit on spiritual warfare and talked about some of the stuff that goes along with Halloween. But if you feel like you've opened yourself up to something as you've been listening to this, that you are uncertain, may have opened some doors spiritually, I would just invite you to give us a call here at the church. You can call 207-764-5187 and just talk to one of the pastors here. I have a whole list of things that could possibly open doors for spirituality, whether it's tarot cards, whether it's Ouija boards, things like that, even whether it's some sort of spirit guide or a seance or a circle that you've done with other people that invite spirits in. All those things are possibilities to open a door. And so there are ways to combat that. It's through Jesus Christ. He's always the answer. But we have some prayer ways that you can walk through how to combat 
spiritual stuff. I've worked with it a lot overseas. Spiritual warfare is not abnormal to most of us here in the church. And we'd love to be able to be on your side with that. And if that helps you feel more comfortable, even about this day, because a lot of people, their fear goes with spiritual warfare and their uncertainty of the power that Satan actually has. The one thing I want to say is Satan doesn't have a lot of power. We often give him more power than he actually has. A lot of the power that we think he has is because we picture him on equal ground with Jesus. So it's like a yin and the yang type thing. We have good, so we have equal power of evil, but there is no equality there. Jesus trumps Satan all the time, and there's nothing that's close to his equal. And so I would encourage you not to give him too much power. This is a day of the year. God created this day, and he called it good. So October 31st is just as good as the rest of the days around it. Human nature can bend things and make it sin. But again, this day was good. So let's celebrate it as if it is. And if I have opened myself up, in addition to calling, is there anything I can do on my own? Absolutely. Always out loud in the name of Jesus. You can combat whatever fear is coming at you. If something pops to mind and you realize that you have maybe done something with the, we're using the Ouija board a lot here. So we'll just keep going with that. Maybe all of a sudden a memory comes back to you playing with the Ouija board. You can actually just start praying through that right now. In the name of Jesus, you literally just say, in the name of Jesus, any demons that have been associated with the time I was playing Ouija board, I cast you out in the name of Jesus. And so you then repent, say to God, I'm sorry to do this, and clarify that. I will be cautious if you're not a Christian. The Bible talks about the fact that you can cast out demons, but they'll come back seven times stronger. And so you only have the power of Jesus if you're following Jesus. So I would definitely encourage you to be talking to us as well if you're not a Christian, but this is something you want to deal with. It's through the power of Christ that that really Satan is vanquished. We have no power on our own. Joined now by Pastor Debbie Rooney. We're going to talk a little bit about Big Top Bash. Can you tell me a little bit about what it is, when it started? Big Top Bash actually started many years ago. It was started by Pastor Rick Cavanaugh, where he has two children. And there are a lot of things about Halloween. And he was just thinking, you know, what can I do for my kids so I don't have to go tracing out on the streets with them and who knows what's going on right now. So he had his friends and a couple of their friends over in the basement of the church and they had a big party and they just had candy, they had games, they had all kinds of fun. So with his other pastors, they kind of talk, you know, this might be something great to do with the community. It was not called Big Top Bash at that time. They just had different names, like every year they would have a different theme. And then one year they came up with a circus theme and they called it Big Top Bash. And he said, everybody just loved it, caught on to it. And so the name has stayed and that's where the name came from. It's grown over the years and now it encompasses, well, okay, so it's grown over the years, but then the pandemic stepped in. So let's talk a little bit about what it had grown to before the pandemic. Well, what it was is we were actually getting at least a thousand people through the doors on Big Top Bash night. People would come in, go through. The church is just totally cleared out, filled up with games. So kids would go upstairs, downstairs. We even had a blacklight room where they could go play blacklight golf. And when we finished, we would do a blacklight puppet show. So it really had grown extensively. A lot of community members coming in. So that's what happened before COVID came. Now, since COVID has come, the name's been changed a little bit and it's being done a little bit differently. It is. We knew we couldn't have it, but we thought, what can we do so that we can do something very similar? So I was talking with our 
uh, Secretary Robin Monday, and we thought, well, why don't we do a thing where they go through, grab a bag of candy, and keep on going? And we thought, oh, that's neat. So we come up with the name Big Top Bash Grab and Dash, because that's kind of what you do. You come in, you get your candy, and dash off again. So that's where that came from. This year, we plan to expand it a little bit, not doing anything much different. I mean, you drive in, you get your bag of candy. But doing Big Top Bash was not just let's do an alternative to this. It was to spread the gospel. And that's what it was meant to do with our community. We want to tell you about Jesus. And so this is what this does to our puppet team actually does a performance and put it on DVD. And this year with the big outbreak, we were not able to do that this year. And so we have decided we're going to still do the puppet show, but invite people to come to the sanctuary to see it. Not sure how that will work, but we'll find out. But it's going to be about the same type of thing. We're going to have some great displays as you come in. This year, we're going to use the puppet team to pop up and greet cars as they come in. We don't just do candy. We do a big bag, but we also fill it full of little other treats and great things. And we like to put something, of course, with Jesus in there. And so we're doing little color books and things like that to pass out this year. Why continue to do this, even though the pandemic has come into it? Why still put such a focus on getting this event going every year? I would say this is the best time to do it, actually, because there's so many things that get canceled, so many things that uh, we can't have this anymore because of so many people. But this is something that keeps the event open. And when it's able to open up again, oh, Big Top Bash is inside again. It's not outside, but it's still there. It's to let people know we care about you, but also we want you to know about Jesus. We want you to know how much he loves you. We can have fun, but Jesus can make your life so much better. So who is this geared toward? Who do you hope is going to show up? What we do is we generally target the, the children who are age oh, baby up, you know, to grade five, between grade five and six usually, and always have invited the parents. Parents must, you know, be with the child. So this is still the same type of thing. But I mean, if teenagers come in and stuff like that, we hold the candy back for the younger kids because that's our target. We just want to make them know that we love them. We want them to come in. We want them just to see some puppets and know that it's fun. Sharing Jesus is fun. It's not just come here, go there, but we love the Lord and we want people to know that we love them. Halloween night, what time to what time? We start at 4.30 this year to 6.30. We had put out some lighting decorations last year and realized, oh man, by the time we were done, it was just starting to get dark. So this stuff you're going to be able to see really well. Got some great, like I said, displays coming. A lot of people that are joining in this year to make it a little better and seeing people saying, oh, I could do this or I could do that. Let's make this. So it's being fun, but it's going to be fun for the kids when they come through. It's going to actually be something they can watch and see and also get a treat out of it too. How can I help? Come and check us out. Come and see us. If you're interested in helping, call the church. What we need most of all is candy because it takes tons of candy to fill 500 bags. And we don't just give a little, we give a lot. And we want the kids to know that if this is a one stop, you've got a one stop and you've still got your bag pretty well full. So that's what we want. If anyone's interested, please just drop some candy off at the church. It's a great opportunity for you 
to share and serve and, and give and what a way to do it by just dropping it off and we put it in the bags and get it all together. Do you need volunteers for that night? We have quite a few already, which is great. We have a security team. We have different things like that. But you know, if you're interested, please call. There's a place we can fit you in somewhere. They never turn anybody away. <laughs> so call us. Right. It's not Halloween we're celebrating. We're celebrating life. We're celebrating fall. We're celebrating let's get together. Just happen to do it on that night. So it makes an alternative so you don't have to go to many places. This can be your one stop grab and dash. And just know that we're there just to say a good hi. I am joined now by Pastor Jason Blakey and Christy Netto, who is the missions director at Framework. And we're going to talk a little bit about missions. Is there a place that people can find information about what you're working on through the missions board? That's one of the things we're working on. We're going to start doing some regular posts, like just on the Framework Facebook page. And then we do have like a bulletin board in the church that we're trying to keep updated. So we're working on on being more transparent and getting that information out more. People can always contact me if they have questions. Get me at church or on Facebook or my email or anything like that. We're also planning on building a web page built onto our framework.church site that will talk about missions and kind of maybe even our filters will highlight on there what we're doing, who we're supporting as much as we can. We do have certain areas that we can't talk about. So there'll never be a place that everything is accessible simply because of some of the cross-cultural workers that we're working with. Why is mission so important? And you kind of touched on it a little bit, but why is mission so important for people in the church? Why should they look at the website that you'll be building or get involved, whether it be overseas or right here in their own community? I have often said we have a limited view of God simply because we've only experienced our own culture where God created all cultures and all people. One of the best ways to get a better understanding of who God is, is to go overseas and watch another culture worship God, how they worship him, the words they choose to use, talk to them about how they view scripture and to see it through their eyes. And you get a different perspective and a larger understanding of God. And every culture I've ever entered and every conversation I have, my view of God gets bigger. And that's hard to understand until you've actually experienced a cross-cultural experience with people. But your view of God can actually get bigger. And even his majesticness and his awesomeness, for the true word of the word awesome, grows because of, of that understanding and who he really is. And so I would highly recommend it. If you have never experienced a cross-cultural experience, you should get involved and stay in touch because that's part of our part of the Great Commission you don't have to just pick one. You can be part of all the parts, whether it's staying close by, going a little further, or going to the ends of the earth. You can touch all those. Commenting on what Pastor Jason said, every time I have gone overseas, I have grown in my faith to witness people that depend on God so deeply. That just challenges me. But also, I think it's just human nature to be inward focused. It's really easy for us to just think of ourselves and think of our own needs, even center our faith on that. You know, God, like this is what I, I need from you. And so when you're really mission focused, whether that's local or global, 
you have to be outward focused. You have to be focused on others and seeing others' needs and seeing what God is doing in others' lives and how God wants you to partner in that with him in serving others and loving others and spreading the truth about who he is. So I think it's really central in just keeping all of us as Christians in a healthy place in our faith, being outward focused versus being inward focused, just focused on ourselves. How has the pandemic impacted missions? One thing like overseas we've seen is it's affected people in Eswatini just like it's affected us here. They're having a hard time getting supplies. Schools were closed for a long time. So now they're trying to double up on classes so they can graduate on time at the university. You know, a lot of some of the similar things that we've experienced here overseas, like especially in Eswatini, they're still just starting to get the vaccine. So that's a difference. I think school teachers have been vaccinated and some of the elderly have been vaccinated, but they're just starting to have it available for the general population. As far as the missions board, I think there's benefits in that we were able to step back and kind of examine what we're doing and why we're doing it. And so that was a really positive piece. And that's it for another podcast. Thank you for joining us. Next week, we will wrap up our October series on missions with how you can get involved. Thank you for listening. We hope you will join us next time.